0: Welcome. You're at OTR, Over the Rainbow, achieving mental health for real. This show is about real people battling real mental issues and experts with tips to help in the battle. If you want to know more, please check out my trailer. Your host is Bob Adelman, and his notes about today's episode follows. In today's interview, Dr. Walt Karniski, MD, talks about the origins of ADHD. He amongst many others do not consider ADHD a disorder, but just a different way of thinking. This episode is packed with information about ADHD and thorough detail about medication to treat it. Walt has 40 years experience working with children and adults with ADHD. Walt answers the two most important questions about the use of medication to treat ADHD. Does medication work? And is it safe? Now, here's Bob with Dr. Walt Karneski.
1: Oh, Walt, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Bob. It's great to be here today.
1: Could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
0: Um, yes, I'm a developmental pediatrician. So um, I've been dealing in this area for about 40 years. Uh, during that time, I've probably seen 10,000 children, uh, probably 5,000 with ADHD, uh, diagnosed with ADHD. And then many other problem areas like autism uh cerebral palsy uh and anxiety, learning disabilities, and so on uh, and finally i i want to say that I uh, have written a book entitled a d h d medication um, Does it work and is it safe uh just out about uh, six weeks ago, and the purpose of that book is to kind of summarize everything that we know about ADHD medication, how it works, uh, uh, what, what are the benefits, what are the side effects,
1: and so on. Perfect, because I'm thinking of getting on medication. I've been on it before, but I did have really bad side effects. Could you tell me um, how many, what percentage of people get rid of ADHD when they, when, they, when they become an adult and what percentage do not?
0: Um, yeah, about zero percent. And what I mean by that is that in, in, um, just about every case when children grow, children with ADHD grow into adults, they retain most of the ADHD behavior. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that they're disabled by those behaviors. Uh, in some, in some people and, and actually a lot of people, uh, if, ADHD, when ADHD continues into adulthood, um, it causes significant difficulties.
1: Yes, I have had it since day one. And basically when I grew up, I lived in a dream world because I could not understand the outside world. I I could not pay attention to the detail, especially detail. And I wouldn't remember anything like what what's the, you know, the right clothes to wear, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I was in a bubble. And then I grew up and I have had some really bad relationship problems. And also I've been bullied as an adult in my job place. So those are two big factors that I have.
0: Well, the other thing to remember about this is that even though I said that the behaviors of ADHD continue into adulthood. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be disabling. As a a matter of fact, many people with ADHD have taken their ADHD and um, benefited from it and benefited from some of those behaviors. Uh, For example, a person with ADHD who has difficulty focusing on detail and remembering detail might have a problem working on an assembly line, picking out objects that were imperfectly made, because they have to have constant focused attention. On the other hand, people with ADHD go into sales or uh, working with people and working out in the in the community as well uh some people with a d h d get a good executive secretary some marry people who uh who their spouses have the attention to detail so having a d h d as an adult means that the behaviors remain, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be disabling
1: for me um it it was something that uh distanced me from other people a lot. I worked in the i t Industry, and I was very good at it because I I would hyper focus and I would produce uh, drama, which you know get very nervous before a meeting, for instance, and that would give me the adrenaline I need to do a good job. So I was very successful, very successful at what I did, but I was acting the whole time. I, you're probably uh, aware of the uh, term neuro. Diverse and neurotypical. Sure. I felt and I feel now that I was always neurodiverse, trying desperately to be neurotypical. I would actually, I'm a good actor. So I would actually act the way people act, acted. And that would get me through. I could put on a really good disguise and cover up my ADHD But it was always covering it up. It was was eggshells. It was pressure. Always covering. I mean, I could have the simplest conversation, and I'd miss a detail, and and the person would pound on me like, what, are you stupid? Why'd you throw that card? All different things like that. And throughout my my career, it never stopped. My, My latest job, the guy called me a clown, literally. So... Um, for me, I believe that it, it, it caused social anxiety, anxiety, and eventually depression because I've had major depression episodes and I believe I would not have had that if I didn't have ADHD because it's, I'm like a, an outcast, uh, uh, you know, someone from another planet. I, I cannot function, uh, with neurotypical people. And now, I have three adult children, and they all can't stand me because of my symptoms. You know, I overreact. I get over-emotional. uh, I appear rude. I I, I appear like I'm stepping over people. uh, I I appear like a bully. uh, All of these things. So, my daughter has ghosted me, if you know what that means. It's like... She won't talk to me on any platform. My son Mm -hmm. is, you know, doesn't invite me to his house because he thinks, you know, because I'm kind of like absent-minded and I might cause, like spill something on his rug or whatever. And uh, my oldest, I I also have a problem uh, because he always tells me, these are your bad qualities. And he always tells me, that I'm bad and that I'm the enemy. So I really am at a point where I'm completely uh, screwed up as far as relationships with my family. And to me, that's very, very important. So I'm trying to get on ADHD drugs now because I feel if I have side effects, I could ride them out better because I'm not working, and- I'm retired.
0: Um, Let let me comment on that. You've you've pointed out an important part of ADHD that most uh, books on ADHD, most presentations on ADHD do not comment on. And that is what happens to children diagnosed with ADHD when they become adults. And let me just take a few minutes and and (laughs) talk about that. There's multiple areas in our in our lives by which we gauge success in life. Uh, and let's just take a, a few of these. Uh, uh, job performance, for instance. Uh, adults diagnosed with ADHD as children are three times more likely to have been unemployed compared to non-ADHD adults. Uh, they change jobs frequently. They are more likely to have poor job performance quit a job impulsively, or to have been fired. They often earn a lower salary. One study found that uh, uh, adults with ADHD uh, earned about $10,000 less on the average than adults without ADHD. Um, It affects family and social life as as well. Uh, People with ADHD have fewer friends. They have more difficult relationships with their parents, spouses, and children, as you pointed out. Uh, they move more frequently they 're more likely to be uh, to parent a child at a younger age They' more than twice as likely to be separated or divorced and uh, more likely to have been remarried, uh, even in driving um, adults with ADHD are more likely to have had traffic accidents and more likely to have suspended license They are two to six times more likely to have been in a car accident. Um, the, the the striking thing about all of these areas, every one of these studies that have shown deficiencies in adults with ADHD, have also shown that if the adults were treated with medication, that their differences in these areas diminish or vanish. So, if if the ADHD is treated with medication, then all of the problems which I just cited. Still can occur in people with ADHD, but they occur at the same rate as people who don't have ADHD, indicating that the medication is making a profound difference in the lives of those, those people. So I guess what I'm saying is that the, 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 med- the behaviors can persist into adulthood, but they don't have to, uh, and medication can provide, uh, an incredible a therapeutic role to prevent those problems from occurring.
1: And in my case, um, my absent-mindedness is is like tenfold now because of my short-term memory loss. I don't know if it's pre-dementia or just normal aging, but my symptoms have gotten ten times worse. I, I uh, hyper-focus all the time. I cannot give up on something. Like I, I have a problem on the computer and I will sit there for two days without eating, try, trying to fix that problem. Those, those problems, because I also have OCD and that's a very bad mix. And so yep. I obsess on it. I, I obsess on everything. And, you know, so ADHD to me is a major problem in, in our society I believe a lot of people in jail have it. What do you think about that? Uh,
0: I actually did a study on, uh, and in that study, we basically showed the children who had been incarcerated, and these are children that were incarcerated for juvenile delinquency acts before the age of 16. So they were uh, oftentimes 12, 13, and 14 years of age, that the vast majority of them had uh, developmental difficulties some had ADHD some had learning dis- dis- disabilities some had um, anxiety and other uh, problems but close to 50 or 60% of these children that were being incarcerated were suf- really suffering from a disability
1: right. Dyslexia is another one I know is high jail cases uh, but but for me uh, It causes so much social anxiety because for some reason, if I'm talking to a person and a third person comes over, they completely stop talking to me. Always, everyone. So I must be putting out some kind of bad vibe and they're picking up on it. Um, I get very nervous about everything because I know I have ADHD and I know I make mistakes, so I'm, I'm always covering up, I'm always making sure that nobody finds out my secret.
0: Well well, when you were on medication before, uh did it help?
1: Just for a short time, one week. It helped, but I got terrible side effects. They were they, it made me tremendously nervous where I where I couldn't even go to work. I had to get off of them.
0: Uh, but you bring up a, a very important point here, then, and, and this is probably at the heart of uh, the difficulties in dealing with ADHD as a physician or as a therapist, uh, and that is that there are actually two or maybe three different ways that those additional behaviors that you're describing can occur. So the the primary symptoms of ADHD are difficulty focusing, difficulty keeping your mind on on uh, the work at hand, not inter- uh, interrupting frequently, forgetting things. Those are the symptoms of ADHD. And one of the things that you'll notice about those behaviors is that every one of those behaviors are normal behaviors in all of us some of the time. Right. So everybody forgets things occasionally. Everybody gets distracted. Everybody gets impulsive at times. Everybody, uh, g- has periods of disorganization. And that doesn't make them everybody ADHD. Right. Th- those behaviors become ADHD when they become so pervasive, uh, that they affect our lives. They affect the outcome of our lives. They affect the happiness that we experience in our lives and the fulfillment that we experience. So the presence of those behaviors, uh, even though they are normal behaviors in some people, because they occur with such great frequency in people with ADHD, they greatly interfere with all of the difficulties that we've just described. Right. Now, now here's the problem. Uh, 80, in 60% of children with ADHD, 60% will have an additional diagnosis. We call that a comorbid diagnosis. Was that the
1: OCD also?
0: Yes, you you, you can have ADHD and OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's important to distinguish between the ADHD and the comorbid behaviors because the ADHD behaviors will get better with ADHD medications. But the comorbid behaviors, anxiety, in difficulty with uh, performance, those behaviors actually do get worse with with the ADHD medications. So, so the, AD, the ADHD behaviors improve, but the comorbid behaviors worsen. So, here's what oftentimes happens with ADHD: a person comes in and they have both ADHD and OCD. Let's say, for example or obsessive compulsive behavior. They start on stimulant medication. The, uh, they say they're still children and they're in school, and the teachers come back and say, he's focusing well, his grades have improved, he's getting along with the other children better, he's doing so dramatically better. But at home, the parents will notice that he has to line objects up uh, in line. He has to spend hours uh, sorting the spice cabinets. Uh, in other words, doing hundreds of different things that. uh Interfere with with life, but but they find that met, st- stimulant medication that treats the ADHD symptoms makes the OCD symptoms worse. Oh boy, yeah. So so what happens is, physicians will often then start a second medication which treats the symptoms of obsessive compulsive behavior, and right. you you're probably familiar with medications like Prozac, Zolo.
1: i uh, and
0: those medications make ADHD behaviors worse. So here, so here we, here we have a problem. We have, we have an ADHD behavior. We treat it with stimulant medication. It, the ADHD behavior gets better, but the OCD, OCD behaviors get worse. So we then treat the OCD behaviors with the medication that is a good treatment for OCD and the OCD behaviors get better, but the ADHD behaviors worsen. So then we increase the dose of the stimulant medication, the ADHD medication, and the ADHD behaviors again improve. But again, the OCD behaviors worsen. So we go back to the doctor and the and the Paxil or Zoloft or, or a Prozac then gets increased and the OCD behaviors improve, but the ADHD behaviors get worse again. Eventually, we find we find a a, pers- a child then is over, over-medicated for their ADHD and over-medicated for their um, comorbid behaviors, yeah. but and they're really not that much better than they were to begin with. And so one, one of the things that's important, and, and I spent a lot of time in the book talking about this, is the difference between um, the primary ADHD medications, which are stimulants, uh, methylphenidate is in ritalin and concerta and adtrana and and another stimulant is amphetamine and these uh, that uh, medication is present in Adderall and Vyvanse and Dexedrine and many other medications okay and those those medications are the single best medication known to man to treat ADHD but they make the comorbid behaviors worse. Can
1: that be a side effect that eventually goes away, or do you think it, it would never go away? It would always make OCD it, worse. It,
0: it, 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 yes, they it can always make OCD worse. But So one of the things we do in a situation like this is we then have a group of 10 non uh, a, a non-stimulant ADHD medications that do not make the ADHD behaviors worse, but they help decrease... Depression and mood problems and OCD and anxiety and obsessive, uh, obsessive compulsive behavior. So many of these then comorbid behaviors will get more, get better with the non stimulants. And these are medications like Stratera, Welbutrin, uh, Veloxetine. Um, there's about 10 med- medications in that group, which will improve the ADHD behaviors and it help treat the non-ADHD behaviors as well
1: yeah i take paxil for ocd and it doesn't do it all i have to do it myself i have rituals that are very hard to break uh i I used to know a guy that used to check his car a hundred thousand times before he left it i don't have that one but i have uh, like what i call voodoo ADHD, I think if I don't look at a picture of my children the right way, that some harm will happen to them.
0: Oh, oh, I see what you're saying, yeah.
1: Have you you heard of of that?
0: Well, I mean, I've not heard of that as a a behavior that has been researched, but I've certainly heard that from parents who talk about their kids. Uh, I I one time had a nine-year-old girl that I was seeing and she was always 45 minutes late for her first class for, to school in the morning. Uh, and the teachers were getting frustrated with her because she was having difficulty in math and math was her first class and, and she, she couldn't get to school on time. Well, we found out that the reason she couldn't get to school on time was that she spent 45 minutes feeding her fish in the morning, uh, in a fish tank. And she had to, when she would sprinkle fish food on the top of the water. Then she would watch every one of the 14 fish. And whenever any of the fish ate, she would have to write down how much they ate. Mm-hmm. And so it took her 45 minutes to feed the fish. And she could, would not leave the fish tank in the morning until all of the fish were fed and all of them had eaten the, the proper mm-hmm. amount. Yeah. Uh, you can imagine. The, and, and so she felt a strong compulsion to um, avoid that. Medication worked dramatically in her. Uh, she was able to get to class on, on time normally without any anxiety. Uh, before, if she couldn't feed the fish, she would walk in the room, and all she could talk about was the fact that her fish were, were not being fed. But once she, once she got on medication, um, those concerns were still present, but probably 90% reduced.
1: Yeah, for me, it's always something bad will happen if I, do, if I don't do something exactly it, right. Something yeah. bad Will happen. Uh,
0: I, well, yes, yeah, yes, and she and she felt the same thing. She felt that if she didn't feed ex- the, the fish exactly the right way, that they would all die. Mm-hmm.
1: The the other thing uh, that I have a problem with is my children understanding ADHD. They are ADHD deniers. They don't believe that it's really true. They think it's just that. I'm narcissistic. What do you say to people that that believe that?
0: Um, I think that the proof is in the pudding. If you get treated with ADHD medication and your behaviors improve, then you probably have ADHD. Yeah. If you treat if you treat a problem, it's just like you know if you have strep throat and you uh, treat it with penicillin, but it doesn't get better. Maybe you better go back and think about that diagnosis. Maybe it's not strep throat, right, right. Because because strep throat, ninety nine percent of the time, responds to penicillin like, like drugs. So it, it's the same with ADHD. Ninety nine percent of the time, children with ADHD will get better with stimulant medication. And uh, if that does not occur, then you need to question yeah. the diagnosis. I
1: feel that even if I get better, they won't. They won't ever believe. I've talked to other people that talk to their families and try to explain why they're like the way they are, and no one believes it. That's that's the problem that I find out there, like in the Facebook groups and things like that. I hear about people saying, well, I tried to explain it to my family, and they don't think it's real. They don't think ADHD is real. They think it's something that's made up. Uh,
0: that that's a common problem. Uh, you know, about three years ago, I went to see my dermatologist, and he was out of town that day. So they gave me his assistant. Uh, she came in, she looked at my chart, and she said, "Oh, uh, I understand that you're a doctor. What kind of medicine do you practice?" And I said, "Well, I'm a developmental pediatrician. I see kids with ADHD and learning disabilities and autism." And she said, "Oh." ADHD, that's overdiagnosed, isn't it? Yeah. And I looked, I looked at her and I said, let me answer your question with another question. How many people over the age of 65 have skin cancer? And she said, oh, about 40% of people over 65 will eventually get skin cancer. And I, and I looked at her and I said, oh, well, then skin cancer must be overdiagnosed. Right. Yeah. It, and she said, no, 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 no it's not overdiagnosed it's because people don't take care of their skin they don't put sunscreen on they don't uh they, they go out in the sun with short sleeve shirts and oh, wait a minute, I see what you're trying to do and basically, what I was trying to do was point out to her that the frequency of a problem has nothing to do with its validity, right. and what I mean by that is just because a disorder occurs frequently doesn't make it an invalid diagnosis. Right. Let's say, for instance, that you went home tonight and you found out that, the, that Fred across the street was just diagnosed with leukemia. And you're walking back to the house and one of your, your next-door neighbor, Julie, comes up to you and says, oh, Sam, my husband was just diagnosed with leukemia. I just wanted to let you know he's going to be in the hospital quite a bit. And then later on that night, you find out seven other people on your block Have been diagnosed with leukemia. What would you do? Would you be concerned that leukemia was being overdiagnosed? No,
1: I would be concerned that there's something in the water, or uh, you know,
0: exactly, exactly. So, so when and what's the difference between leukemia and ADHD? And the major difference is leukemia has a simple blood test that you can perform to make the diagnosis when you take blood, you put the uh, blood sample under the microscope, you can see the abnormal uh, cells, they look like leukemia cells, uh, uh, and you make the diagnosis of leukemia. You might supplement it with a a bone marrow uh, uh, biopsy as well, but it's easy to make the diagnosis of leukemia. The problem is in in ADHD, there is no specific test, no blood sample that we can put under the microscope and make the diagnosis. Right and yet, yet we clearly understand that ADHD has a neurologic basis to it. Uh, did you did, 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 did you know that in, in in studies that have been done if you if you do brain scans in children with ADHD there those children will have three areas of the brain that are shrunken or smaller in size compared to people without ADHD. Right. But and and the but the amazing thing is that if you scan those same children as adults, they continue to have the same shrunken areas if they were not treated with medication. But if they were treated with medication, those areas of the brain have come back to a normal or close to normal size. And so what it's basically showing us is that ADHD medication not only helps with the behaviors you can start medication on a Monday morning, and by Monday morning at ten o'clock, you can see the improvement. Right. But, but, but with um, with these these kind of long term problems, the the abnormalities in the brain or the the smaller areas of the brain continue in those people that are not treated, but disappear in those people that are
1: treated. Yeah, that's a, that's a smoking gun right there. One
0: other, thing I, one other thing I'd like to point out is that um, even though I've seen 5,000 children with ADHD, and even though I've seen how much havoc that it can wreak with children with ADHD and how much difficulty it causes, I hesitate to call it an abnormality or to say that there's anything wrong with the brain of children with ADHD. There's nothing wrong with their brain. Let me explain where ADHD comes from. Um, and this was proposed by Tom Hartman, who wrote a book about 20 years ago called ADHD, A Different Perspective. Imagine that you're a caveman 100,000 years ago. And jo- you live in a tribe of 30 people um, with uh, men, women, and children in this small tribe. And your job every morning is to go out and pick berries for the family's breakfast. So one morning you're hunched over this bush picking blueberries and you're putting them in your leather satchel, and all of a sudden you hear a rustling in the bushes behind you. If if it turns to it turns out that it's just the wind blowing the, the bushes, then you can go back to picking the berries, bring the berries back to the cave. You're popular, you're everybody's happy, you mate with the Lead female, you have children and you carry that distractibility gene to your next generation. If the, if that sound is a saber-toothed tiger, then you can pull your knife and fight the saber-toothed tiger or you can run. But in either case, case you survive, you get back to the cave, you have more children, you carry the distractibility gene to the next generation.
1: So what you're saying is that a neurotypical person wouldn't have this quality. Correct, but I I guess what
0: I'm saying further is that 100,000 years ago, the person with attention or or distractibility would be called neurotypical because that's what saves his life. The fact that he's distracted allows him to see if that rustling in the bushes is the wind or a saber-toothed tiger. Whereas somebody who does not have distractibility doesn't turn and look and gets eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. So he never gets back to the cave. He never has children. He never carries the distractibility gene to the next generation. So my, that's a very good point. So my proposal here is that for 99,000 years, we've been, we've seen distractibility as an advantage and, and as a strength. And suddenly, in the middle of the 19th century, we say to children, okay, it's important that you learn how to read. We're going to make everybody go to school now, whereas it used to be that every child would work in their father's blacksmith shop or on the on the family farm, learn that trade, and carry that into the next generation. They didn't need to know how to read or to do math problems or whatever. They just uh, did what their parents did. So what, and because of that change, now you have children sitting in the classroom who are distractible, who 100,000 years ago would have seen that distractibility as a plus. Now it's a minus and, and it's interfering with their ability to learn in the classroom, uh, to learn to read and to learn appropriate social interactions with other children.
1: That's a very, very
0: good So point. I guess, I guess my point here, is that ADHD may not be a disease, but instead is, 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 it is a mismatch between a child's neurologic makeup and the world that he lives in. So, so I could, I as a physician have three choices. Number one, I can invent a time machine and send him back in time, back a hundred thousand years ago, and he'll be the leader of his tribe. Unfortunately, right. I haven't been very successful with time travel. <laughs> so the other, op- yeah. So the, the 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 other option is, I could uh, design schools that teach children with ADHD the way they learn, rather than rather than forcing them to learn the way we teach.
1: Yeah, I say that all the time. Yeah. We need schools that we can learn from, not the strict detail memorization schools that we have now. The other question I have, just to sneak it in, is uh, how how would you uh, choose the right medication for ADHD?
0: Okay, great question. The FDA has approved 46 medications for the treatment of ADHD. 36 of okay. those 46 are stimulants and 10 are non-stimulants. stimulant. is the difference between a stimulant and a non-stimulant, well, the stimulants have a direct effect on the neurotransmitters in the brain, the message communicators in the brain that enhance the ability to send a message from one nerve cell to another. The non-stimulants do the same thing, but they don't do it quite as well. The The problem, the benefit of the non-stimulants is that it don't, doesn't cause any of the side effects that the stimulants cause. As a matter of fact, it treats most of the side effects. So, for instance, uh, ADHD medication causes people to have difficulty falling asleep, Um, but the non-stimulants like cataprest, guanfacine, and other, uh, estratera and other non-stimulants will actually cause a little bit of sedation to help them fall asleep. So the combination of the the two is an advantage. So how do I decide when I've got 36 stimulant medications and they are all virtually the same medication. Every one of those 36 medications is either methylphenidate or or amphetamine. And, And the difference is the way the medication is prepared. Some of those medications like Ritalin only last three to four hours and you have to take three doses a day and go to the nurse's office to get that second dose and so on. So that's not a very good solution. Um, some of the medications are the exact same medication, but they come in an oral solution to make it easier to swallow. Some will come in a solution, in a pill that lasts eight or nine hours instead of three to four hours. So they only have to take one pill a day. Some will come in a skin patch so they don't have to remember to take a pill at all. So the way that I make a decision about which medication to start is first, I look at the presence or absence of the comorbid behaviors, and if there are comorbid behaviors, I may treat with a non-stimulant first, but if it sounds like typical ADHD, I will start with a stimulant first, and then I may alter that medication depending on how that child reacts to it. If he needs a longer-acting medication, we'll switch to a longer-acting medication. If he needs a shorter-acting medication given more frequently, then we'll switch to that, If that child's having trouble swallowing the pill, then we'll give him a liquid to make it easier to swallow. And generally, if one of these options doesn't work, it behooves the physician to find one that does work. Because in 90 to 95% of cases with ADHD, stimulant medication will treat the the, the symptoms and treat them dramatically.
1: Unfortunately, we're running out of time. And I I just want to ask you, if you have a, a message for our audience that you would I, like I to get share? I guess
0: the message is that I, my brother is a nephrologist. He deals with kidney diseases. And when he explains a diagnosis to his patients, it generally takes him five or six minutes to explain what the benefits and the side effects of medication are. When I explain medication to people just diagnosed with ADHD, uh, I have to take a half hour to an hour to explain because we come to that visit with the doctor with so many preconceived notions about the medication. So the first thing I would say, if you're having difficulty with these areas, focusing, paying attention, getting things done, staying organized, talk to your doctor first. It, and if you're not happy with the way the doctor w- responded to the questions, ask for a specialist to refer to and generally you can find the specialist by uh, checking on a school psychologist in the area and specifically an educational psychologist or a school psychologist and get a full evaluation not just a five-minute evaluation in the doctor's office and then writing a prescription but get a full evaluation of your strengths and weaknesses and then address the strengths by enhancing them and address the weaknesses by trying to diminish them.
1: That is excellent advice. I mean, you were a great guest. I mean, everything I, I thought was right on, everything you say, I totally agree with. Um, and I really thank you for taking the time out to talk to everybody. It's very important. I think that we get this message that ADHD is real.
0: Yeah. I I, pr- I appreciate the opportunity to be able to, Talk to your listeners about this and to, to recommend that if there are any unanswered questions from this interview and things that you're still not clear about, uh, take a look at the book that I've just published, ADHD Medication. Uh, does it uh, does it work and is it safe?
1: You can get that on Amazon.
0: It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and directly from the publisher, Roman.com, R-O-W-M-A-N.com.
1: Do you have a website or any social media that they can look at? Or? Uh,
0: I, do ha- I do have a website. The name of the website is ADHDmedicationbook.com. Right. great.
1: great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and you know, have a great day.
0: Thank you, Bob. It's been a pleasure.